We all have a story to tell. Those of us who are Christians, sometimes we use the word testimony when we talk about telling our story. And tonight we're in our third and final week of this series we're calling This Is Our Story. And each of these sermons include a video testimony or a live testimony of somebody's story. Two weeks ago, we heard Pastor David, a piece of his testimony. Last week, we had our very own Gina Smith come to us via video and tell her story of being set free. Both of those stories, though, were people coming to Christ a little bit later on in their life. But some people have the version of the Christian story where they were born into the flock, so to speak. They were born as a sheep in the flock. They belonged to a Christian household and a Christian church. And I want us to hear a testimony via video of my friend Sam. He's 22 years old, and he is such a person. He has always been part of the flock. So let's hear this three-minute video from him before we dive into the Word. My name is Sam, and I am part of the flock. So the people who have taught me about God primarily are my parents and my extended family. Uh, throughout childhood and just having gone to church since I was a child and, and being raised in the faith. Uh, it seemed natural to, to grow up in the faith and, and whatnot, as well as, you know, members of the congregation who, you know, once I became middle school, high school age and, and throughout college were, were mentors to me, not only in, you know, my career and professional development, but also through Christ and through my faith and my spiritual journey. You know, guys like Dave Bennett, guys, Steve Cunningham, Tom Blinton, who, you know, who have been instrumental not only on the professional side of things, but have been, uh, you know, increasingly important in my development as a, as a Christian. You know, I, meeting with people and members of the congregation, apart from my own family, really helped me to, to kind of understand what God was getting at in terms of where he was driving me. And being pulled in, in multiple different directions, you know, going through high school and then ultimately choosing to go to college and not sure whether I wanted to pursue music or whether to pursue finance or whether to pursue uh, ministry even. Having those conversations with people throughout the congregation and, and having that spiritual army around me of people throughout the church that were able to have my best interests and, and God's interests and, at heart, um, at least leading me to, to just opening my ears and, and truly listening to hear what it is that I was meant to be doing. If I imagine a life where I did not have a faith community around me like I've had the past 22 years, uh, you know, I don't think I would be where I am spiritually, emotionally, professionally, um, it, it just happy. You know, I, I wouldn't be as fulfilled as I am now. Um, you know, I've been incredibly fortunate and blessed. I think it's uh, one thing to come to Christ later on in your life, but to have it throughout this entire life journey is, is incredibly instrumental and makes a huge difference. Seeing guys like, you know, the Dave Bennett's, the Pastor Nathan's, the Pastor Chuck's even, who have had their, all, their own walks of life and, and seeing that it can be done, um, you know, breaks, breaks the barricade of, of age that, you know, I could hopefully be um, beneficial or, or useful to someone. Um, that might be struggling with those sorts of obstacles that I may have struggled with or, or even obstacles that are different from those I've struggled with that are just trying to find their way um, in the Christian faith and, and are ultimately developing likely through high school and college. And so, you know, having or being surrounded by those people has been huge in terms of, of leading me in the right direction and making sure that I'm also developing appropriately and, and getting to a point where, you know, one day I'm, I'm able to pay it forward. 
you know, for me, I, I feel like, you know, being raised in the faith, being part of the flock, uh, you know, has, has been an incredibly rewarding experience, but it's also been one that, that requires a lot and, and will still require a lot and will hopefully, um, you know, I will be able to meet those expectations. So Sam's story is being part of the flock. We've been using that phrase, part of the flock. And it's a metaphor, it's an image from the scripture reading that Ted read for us tonight, where Jesus says, I am the shepherd, and we belong to him as his flock. If you think about it, a flock, a group of sheep without a shepherd is not a flock at all. It's just a bunch of individual sheep who can go their own way. So we as the flock are defined by our shepherd, and that's what I want us to look at tonight. I want us to think about this uh, back in Jesus' time shepherds would be dotted throughout the landscape. You would be able to see shepherds with their flocks walking behind them. And even today in the Middle Eastern world, you can kind of see some of this. But when night falls, the shepherds would know that their sheep were in danger. And so they would build these stone sheep pens and they would put their sheep in something that would look like this throughout the night. Now, interestingly, the... um, there was such a scarcity of these, especially in the ancient world, that sometimes two or three shepherds at a time would all put their flocks all in the same pen overnight. And why would they do this? Well, they didn't have street lights or electricity or flashlights, obviously. So they needed protection for their flock from the wolves and from the lions and from the predators who would be interested in having a sheep or two as a midnight snack. So the shepherds would place their flocks in a pen like this, and then one of the shepherds would lay down his body or hers and sleep in this opening in the sheep pen. Why? Because if one of those predators came and tried to get the sheep, the shepherd could wake up and fight off the predator, thereby keeping the sheep safe. Well, an interesting thing would happen in the morning time after the sheep and the shepherd had slept there all night. You might wonder, how did the shepherds separate all their sheep in the morning if they were all mixed in there together? Well, this really cool thing about sheep is that they know the voice of their own shepherd. And you can actually see videos of this on YouTube. But each shepherd in the morning would stand outside this gate and would call out, and the sheep of his or her flock would know his or her voice and would only come out. And then the next shepherd would stand there and the, flock, the sheep from that shepherd would come. It's an amazing thing. Sheep are really dumb, but they at least know the voice of their own shepherd. So this is the metaphor that Jesus is using in John chapter 10 when he's talking about him being the good shepherd. And you know, sometimes when you read the gospels, Jesus appears as if he mixes his metaphors He gets accused of this in some of the commentaries when you read scholarship about Jesus. They're like, he's mixing his metaphors. And in John chapter 10, in this reading that Ted did for us, it seems that he's doing that again. He says, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the good shepherd. But then all of a sudden he says, I am the door. And I've actually read in commentaries these really smart scholarly people saying, Jesus is mixing his metaphor again, you know? Is he a shepherd or is he a door? Well, we know actually that he's both. Picture the shepherd who would sleep in this little entryway throughout the night to protect the sheep from the predators. When Jesus says, I am the shepherd and I am the door, he means the very same thing because in this setting, the shepherd is the door. You see? Isn't that cool? Now you know.
But I want us to dive into the meaning of this metaphor tonight. Because if we think about it, we think, why did Jesus take such time and such care to describe this whole metaphor where he's the shepherd, we're the flock, he lays down his life for the sheep, he's the door. There's some takeaways that I want us to think about, what this means for us, what John chapter 10 means for us. And the first thing I want us to consider is this, that if we are part of his flock, we need to learn the sound of our shepherd's voice. We need to learn the sound of Jesus' voice. What does Jesus sound like? You realize in John chapter 10, Jesus assumes this about us. Put up uh, verse 4 there, Jossie. This is Jesus talking about what a good shepherd does. When he's brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep, that's us, follow him, for they know his voice. Jesus assumes this about us, that we know the sound of his voice. How do we get to know the sound of our shepherd's voice? How do we get to know the sound? What does Jesus sound like? The more and more we read about him in this book, the more we learn the sound of his voice. In my Bible, actually, in the Gospels, everything Jesus said is in red font. I don't know if you have a Bible like that. It's pretty cool. You can always tell when he's speaking. So I try to read the Gospels as much as I can. Some of you belong to the various Bible studies we have in this neighborhood. And you open this Bible, and what you're doing there is you are learning the sound of your shepherd's voice. Also through prayer. Some of us can hear, we can sense that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. You know, you don't get to know the shepherd's voice if you don't stop and pray and ask him to speak to you. Another way to hear, to learn the sound of our shepherd's voice is through godly wisdom, through people in our lives who are following Christ, or through mentors. I love Sam's testimony. He starts talking about older men in the congregation, and he starts mentioning their names. Why? Because throughout his 22 years of life, he has sought them out. He sends them an email. He calls them on the phone. He says, hey, will you meet with me? And he meets with these guys in diners, in coffee shops. He's met with me numerous times over the years. What is Sam doing in all of those meetings? He's learning what his shepherd's voice sounds like. All of the guys that Sam mentioned in the video are all following Christ. I love picturing young Sam sitting in a diner talking with the guys he mentioned because I know the advice Sam was getting from those guys was coming from the voice of the shepherd. We learn the sound of our shepherd's voice. And why is that so important? Why would Jesus want to use this metaphor to say, learn my voice, learn the sound of my voice. When I call to you, I want you to differentiate it. The reason it's so important is that there are other voices out there. There are other voices trying to get in our ears, trying to get our attention, trying to call out to us. These are the false shepherds that Jesus is talking about right here in this chapter. Look with me at verse 12. Jesus is mentioning one of these false shepherds, and he says, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, he who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming. Picture the shepherd lying in that opening to the sheep pen. He sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. What kind of shepherd would do that? The wolf snatches them and scatters them. The false shepherd flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing 
for the sheep. Do you realize Jesus is describing any false voice in our life, any false shepherd who would try to get our attention, try to say, hey, come follow me instead of following the good shepherd. Jesus is describing in vivid detail that all those voices, they come through culture. Sometimes our, our hearts are so full of sin that the voice of the false shepherd comes right from our own hearts. That's a scary thought, isn't it? Jesus is saying, don't listen to that voice. That voice leads to death and destruction. My voice as the good shepherd leads to the abundant life. How can you really learn to discern the difference between when God is speaking and when you're hearing the voice of a false shepherd? It reminds me of how bank tellers are trained to spot counterfeit money. Maybe you know about this already, but when a bank teller is trained, let's say on a $100 bill, there's all kinds of counterfeit dollar bills out there. People are manufacturing these things to try to, you know, have fake money, basically. And the bank tellers are trained to spot the counterfeit money. They are never shown those counterfeit bills. They could do that. They could spend hours and hours, okay, here's this type of counterfeit, and here's that type of counterfeit. Instead, they only study the real deal. They study the actual, genuine $100 bill. They see how it feels in their hands. They see exactly where all the details are where every line and every space is so that when they see a counterfeit one, they know right away that's not like the original. Same thing with discerning between all the voices out in culture and all the voices even coming from our own hearts. The way we discern which ones are false, which ones are from these, this liar, basically, is by focusing, again, on the word of our shepherd. Study the word of Jesus over and over, day after day. Join and keep going to the Bible study that you've joined. Because then when you hear one of these pieces of advice from the false shepherds of this world, you know what? That's, that's counterfeit. You'll know right away. That doesn't sound like something Jesus would tell me. All of the voices of the false shepherd basically lead to death. But the voice of our shepherd leads to the abundant life. That's what Jesus says here. Look with me at verse 9. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I love this phrase from Jesus. It's often quoted that if you follow Jesus, you will have life and you will have it abundantly. Think about it for a moment in terms of this sheep metaphor. The shepherd knows where to lead the sheep, right? The shepherd knows where the good pastures are. The shepherd knows sometimes that you have to lead your sheep through a wilderness where there doesn't seem to be any provision in order to find the little bit of provision that he knows where it is. You see, the false shepherds out there, they actually, as it says in the word tonight, they don't care so much about your basic needs, right? I, would, I was trying to think about how would I summarize all the voice of the false shepherds of this world, and I was thinking a song came into my mind, actually, 
Some of you are of the generation, you'll know this song. It's from 1977. It's a Fleetwood Mac song. And it's called you can, go, you can Go Your Own Way. You know this song? You can go your own way. Yeah? You like it when I sing, Jonathan? He, la- he laughed at me, our worship leader. I got a voice, you know? You can go your own way. Right? That's basically the voice of the false shepherd. The false shepherd says, why would you follow a shepherd's voice? And you can just go your own way. But we know what Jesus promises as our good shepherd is that he can offer what no other voice from culture or from even our hearts can offer. He can offer us the abundant life. He is our shepherd. He knows where the green pastures are, but he's also our creator. Think about this. Your shepherd created your body. He created your soul. He created your heart. He created your marriage. He created your will. So that means he knows just what you need in all those things. He knows. And so he will lead you. And that's why we can say when we follow him, we have the abundant life. Because if I'm following my own will, if I'm going my own way, so to speak, well, sometimes, you know, McDonald's french fries look like just what I need. And those don't satisfy very long, do they? My good shepherd says, no, you need a steak dinner. And he leads me sometimes through a wilderness to get to what he knows I really need. And he tells us in verse 11 just what length he would go to to provide for us abundant life. Look what he says in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Picture that opening in the sheep pen right now. A good shepherd would be willing to lay down his body right there in that opening, knowing that there's predators out there, knowing that when you lay down your life to protect the sheep, you are putting yourself at great risk. Jesus' original hearers would have pictured this sheep pen when they heard him say this, but we actually know a deeper meaning of what Jesus was talking about. Jesus says, I lay down my life for you that you may have life. We know what Jesus would ultimately do. He would go to the cross and he would lay down his life literally. He would die in our place as our good shepherd because the predator was out there. The greatest enemy, the enemy of our souls, Satan, And it came against us in the form of sin and corruption. And what that earned us, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And what that earned us is the wrath of the Father. And Jesus, our good shepherd, looked at all of us, his sheep, and he said, they're in danger. They're in danger of the predator. They're in danger of the due wrath of God. I will take it for them. And he laid down his life and he died in our place. And when he died in our place on the cross, he opened a door. He's the shepherd who lays down his sheep and the door. He opened up a door for us that we might walk through it and have eternal life. Our good shepherd gives us life abundant now and life eternal. Can any of the false shepherd voices in your life offer you those things? <laughs> no, they offer the opposite. I could wrap up the sermon right there, 
with that amazing hope and promise of the gospel. And we could all feel really awesome about belonging to the flock. And that would be enough. It actually is enough. (laughs) But Jesus ends the metaphor. He ends his talk not just with a wonderful, warm feeling of a promise, but he ends it actually with a call to action. Maybe you noticed at the end of Sam's video testimony, he does the same. He said, I hope I can live up to the expectation. And he uses the phrase, pay it forward. When Jesus brings us into his flock, it's not just for us, right? Look with me at verse 16 to see what Jesus says. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Once he brings us into the sheep pen of his safety and his provision and his grace, he says, hey, everybody, isn't this great? Now let's go find the other sheep out there. There's other ones out there that I love, and they'll learn to the sound of my voice too if you bring them. This is why I love, one of the things I love about this worship service is that you all are so good at bringing your friends. I've seen you do it week after week. I see new faces in this room all the time. What are you doing? You're listening to this call of Jesus to say, let's go find those other sheep. Let's bring them to this source where we know for about 22 minutes every Sunday night, we're going to learn the sound of Jesus' voice together. Because his voice, when we hear it, when we listen to it, when we follow it, instead of going our own way, (laughs) when we listen to and follow the voice of Jesus, we get life abundant and life eternal. Amen. Amen.